Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. So this episode is brought to you by NorthPass Business. Against small businesses and startups, they often work with limited resources and reduce costs wherever possible. While this is sometimes practical, cybersecurity is one area where you don't want to cut corners. Creating strong, unique passwords for your company's accounts is a surefire way to defend your business from data breaches. However, with the number of personal and work logins we use daily, it's very easy to get password fatigue, leading to reusing the same passwords across accounts. So NordPass Business is a powerful password manager for organizations that removes the difficulty of generating and remembering strong passwords for you and your colleagues. Additionally, it allows for you to integrate single sign-on with your company's Google Workspace accounts and effortlessly create groups to share sensitive information across teams and projects. So see NordPass Business in action now with a three-month free trial by going to nordpass.com forward slash Pantera and use the code Pantera. This episode is brought to you by Basecamp. So Basecamp is a project management and team communication application that has been around for about 18 years, and it's used by thousands of companies today. Basecamp is all about simplicity. It is designed to give you and your team the tools you need to get work done. They have message boards, to-dos, file storage, chat calendar, and much more. Basecamp is built to help you in getting out of your way and let you focus on what matters. Again, you know, like when you're adding a bunch of people, there's a bunch of files that need to be shared. You need to be effective. And that's where Basecamp comes in. They actually are from the guys that brought to you 37 signals. And really, they help in making decisions simple and also effective. So go to Basecamp. Their pricing is simple and they give you the all, all really the features in a single plan. No upsells, no upgrades. Go to Basecamp.com forward slash dealmakers and try Basecamp for free. No credit card required and cancel at any time. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. All right. So hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a serial founder. You know, we're going to be talking a lot about building, scaling, financing. I mean, in this case, you know, a very interesting initial coin offering tool that he did. So I think without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Thomas Pushkas. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Hi, Alejandro. So originally you were born in the Austrian, you know, Hungary, you know, type of environment. So give us a little of a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up? Yeah, so I, I was born in Vienna, but because my parents are Hungarian, I, I grew up actually partially in Austria, partially in, in Hungary, but went to school and to university in, in Vienna. But after university, I went back to, to, to Hungary, uh, beginning yeah, late 80s, beginning 90s, which was just the time when all the big changes started. So I got very soon involved in the first privatizations, was working with the Hungarian privatization agency in one of the first real estate privatizations, and then later in the privatization of the Hungarian agriculture and food sector. And what was, what, why were these privatizations happening? I mean, what was what was moving that? Just so that the listeners are able to really, you know, get what was going on. 
Yeah, so until the uh, end of the 80s, beginning 90s, in Eastern Europe, everything was uh, state-owned. And with the so-called perestroika, when beginning 90s, when all the Eastern European countries started to, uh, to, to sell state-owned companies, state-owned, everything was basically, everything was actually owned by the state. So we just started to step-by-step step to, to sell everything to uh, foreign investors. Now, in your case, I mean, this led you to founding your first company, and that was, you know, in this case, Premium Food. So what were you guys doing there? Yeah, so while I was working uh, in, in these privatizations, uh, we were privatizing mostly food factories, all the large international camp companies, for example, Heinz, everybody was coming in. Everybody picked, of course, the, the best of the best how to say, plants and food processing facilities. But uh, a lot was more or less uh, left, which was not of interest for the large companies. So I decided to step by step to pick up these smaller units and unite them to, to, to a larger production company. And out of this, Premium Food started. Now, for Premium Food, I mean, you, that was your first um, you know, exposure to building a business. I mean, in this case, what was the journey like you know, with Premium Food? And what was the outcome? And more importantly, what was the lesson that you learned from building this company? Yeah, premium food uh, at the time in the 90s, it was quite exciting because it allowed me to see in detail and also learn how, how food production is working and how the whole ecosystem around food production is working. It's not enough just to have the, have the food products, but you need energy, most importantly. And you have to deal with waste, which is quite a large portion of uh, food production. And basically out of this, uh, I started looking more and more, what can, you, what can you do with waste? And that led me to build one of the first biogas uh, plants in, in, in Hungary. And from, from this, then step by step, I moved more and more into renewable energy. So in this case, with premium you know, food, well, what you were able to do too is you were able to do an exit. You were able to sell the business. So what kind of visibility did it give you to be able to do the full cycle from beginning all the way to finish line? Uh, basically, it, it let me learn all the, the different bits and parts of, uh, of how to run a business, how to develop business, how to fund business. Uh, how to look for, for partners, how to, to set up distribution. So f food production is such a complex, uh, basically, business, which involves almost everything. Uh, if, you, if you're looking for a new production site, you, you have to look for the right real estate. You have to have the right, right infrastructure. You have to all the utilities available. So... It allows you to, to, to get, as, as far as I see, the, the best overview of almost everything what is required to run and to develop a business. Now, for you, I mean, the career shift or like the, you know, tackling a different segment is something really interesting, you know, because, uh, you know, they talk about this, especially with, for example, what, what Elon Musk has done, you know, with a knowledge transfer, which is where you're able to come from a different segment into a new segment and really be able to apply the, the learnings that to a certain degree gives you an advantage. So how did that, you know, segment shift come about for you? And how do you think that bringing knowledge from a different segment has helped you and has given you an edge to, to execute? No, first of all, with food production, I think that's one of the few businesses where you have 
also most of the problems connected uh, with it and when, when you when you just uh, work in this business when you learn how to how to solve problems and that is later on or actually was later on a tremendous help uh, to to develop when also other businesses yeah because the next business was miss prompt org and uh, this this actually you did in ukraine uh, and this was more in so developing a solar power plant in that case, you know, what what was the what was the experience or what was the lesson that you took out, you know, from those seven years of operations? For food production, one of the the, the major, uh, how do you say, supplies is energy. Uh, so how to get energy? How to how to, how to to deal with utility companies? Uh, that was uh, and is very important when you, when you, especially when you develop solar power plants, because yeah, you can you can build almost wherever you want a solar power plant, but if you don't know how to deal with utility companies, how to to get connected, uh, then your solar power plant will not produce much revenues for you. And and for you, right after uh, this one, you know, which which you sold, I mean, you you went into microdynamic technologies, which was a nice segue to what you're doing now with EcoWatt, because especially you used the, a bunch of the technology and IP that you were using, you know, with microtechnologies for EcoWatt. But how was that venturing into, you know, a completely, you know, new segment, which was renewable energy? What really got you into it? What were some of those reasons? No, the, one of the reasons why I got into uh, renewable energy was with especially uh, with our food factories, we saw the tremendous amount of, of waste, uh, which basically got wasted. And uh, from economical point of view, it was uh, basically we had to find something how to how to how to how to use this in a better way than just uh, throwing it away. So that's, that's how we started first with biogas and a uh, lot of other factories when at the time came to us asking how we can help them with, uh, with energy questions, also with waste. And this led steps, step by step uh, that I was more and more looking how to solve the, the, the energy problem for not only for the, for, for the factories, but in, in general. Uh, um, renewable energy to how to develop and how to use more and more renewable energy. And beginning 2000, the subsidy systems, the, the feed-in tariffs started in Europe, so it became easier to, to, to finance already uh, solar power stations. Okay. Now, now for you guys, you know, microdynamic technologies, you know, came to an end after seven years. And what you did is you used part of that IP and, and technologies to really get going with ECOWAT. So what was that transition like? Yeah, with uh, microdynamic technologies, we were looking mainly uh, for to to use patents and technologies which, which have been developed in the 80s, 90s in Eastern Europe by different technological institute universities, but which were basically stopped in, in the 90s because lack of uh, government funding, and uh, this helped us to, to develop new processing uh, technologies, for example, for, for biodiesel and uh, different other uh, uh, renewable power production, also in gasification, for example. And uh, on the other hand, we were also looking in, in, in new technologies on like blockchain. And we were experimenting and had several pilot projects how blockchain can be used 
in, in special, especially in electricity trading. And out of this, when in 2018, 2019, uh, uh, ECOWAT developed. Now, with ECOWAT, you know, it's obviously a little bit... Uh... Uh, different than the traditional stuff that you would typically see because of the new technologies that you guys are using, like blockchain and tokenization. So what is ultimately the business model of ECOWAT for the people that are listening to really understand what you guys are doing? Uh, ECOWAT is on the one hand uh, a traditional renewable energy company, uh, which uses when new technologies like uh, blockchain and tokenization to, to get the, the let's say, so the worldwide community to get them involved in the development uh, of uh, more renewable power projects, but not only uh, renewable power projects, but also climate impact projects like reforestation. So ECOWAT, the, the main goal of ECOWAT is just uh, to do everything what is possible in, in order to increase the usage of renewable energy, but also, on the other hand, to do as much as possible uh, climate impact projects, which will help to decarbonize and to get to net zero by 2030 or even by 2050. So how do you guys monetize? How do you guys make money? Yeah, we have a, a fixed amount. Of, of tokens which have been issued, uh, the ECOWAT token. And on the other hand, we are building more and more solar power, wind power, and other renewable power projects. So for uh, the, the ECOWAT token itself is backed by one watt of renewable energy capacity. Uh, the more power plants we are building, the ratio will increase. So it will be in, in two, three years, it will be not one watt, one token, one watt. It will be one token, three watt or four watt, five watts or even more. And with that, automatically the, the value uh, the, of the token will increase. In addition, we use also the funding from the token sales. And now we are also in, in process of issuing green bonds. We are using all this also for reforestation and other uh, climate impact projects, which uh, generate carbon credits. So we'll get back to our conversation in a minute. But if you're an entrepreneur or a sales leader, you want to listen to this. Let me tell you about Wingman. Not, no, no, not Tom Cruise. Wingman is a conversation intelligence tool that helps folks like you coach and scale up their sales teams really fast, really easy. Now, I know you know scaling is not just about hiring. Getting the team up to speed can be the real speed bump. Well, Wingman can help you in getting that. It lets you build call libraries with game tapes relevant to every sales situation, complete with highlights and notes, and it's asynchronous. I mean, repeatable sales training engine. Not just that, Wingman even helps during sales calls with contextual battle cards and monologue alerts. The great thing about Wingman is that it plays nice with all your existing tools like Salesforce, HubSpot, Zoom, Teams, and Google. It even syncs up with Slack so you don't have to log into your CRM all the time for deal updates. So head over to trywingman.com to give it a try. That is T-R-Y-W-I-N-G-M-A-N.com. It's just the Wingman your sales needs to really predictably beat revenue targets quarter after quarter. 
This episode is brought to you by Partner Hero, which provides customer service outsourcing that's built for the needs of scaling and high-growth startups. They offer flexible terms, fast onboarding, and the ability to scale teams quickly. Perfect for fast-growing businesses. I mean, let's face it, you know, you're all startups. You know, it's time for you to really stop trying to do absolutely everything. You need to get yourself out of the supporting box so you can actually focus on growing your business. So again, Partner Hero is flexible. They have quality assurance. They have offices around the world to really provide that help and support that you need. And if you're ready to bring in outside customer support help for your startup that feels like it's part of your existing team, then check out Partner Hero. Head over to partnerhero.com forward slash dealmakers to book a free consultation with their solutions team and mention that you heard about Partner Hero from Dealmakers and they'll waive the setup fee. I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are listening to here, Thomas, that are wondering, how do you tokenize an asset? You know, how do you tokenize something that is tangible? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, you have been in this for a while. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very familiar with blockchain and also tokens, but how do you go about tokenizing something? I mean, I mean, in this case, you guys are tokenizing, you know, all these different assets. So, so how do you go about that? Yeah, basically, you you set up the structure of, of let's let's say for over, over power plants. So, the, or the basic structure of Ecowatt is that we uh, we have a fixed supply of tokens, which are one billion tokens, and we have the basic. Uh, pipeline of uh, renewable power projects, uh, which is one gigawatt. One gigawatt is one billion watts. So therefore, one token is equal to one watt. Okay, got it. And in this case, you know, like, how how have you guys gone about capitalizing the business? How much capital have you guys raised to date? Yeah, we, we started in 2019, 2020. We started with the first private sales. We had two rounds which were quite successful. Uh, in 2021, we started to, to list on, on exchanges. At the moment, we are on three exchanges. And so far, uh, we have uh, raised around a little bit about, about more, more than 4 million uh, euros. And in addition, we, we signed a few months ago a token sale agreement with a U.S. crypto investment fund for $110 million. Got it. Yeah, so that was the... Uh the initial coin offering that you guys recently did. So for the people that are listening to, to really get it, what is the difference of the traditional equity race that you would see, like the 4 million that you were alluding to versus an initial coin offering, also known as ICO, uh, where, for example, you guys brought this, say, 100 million plus in? No, the, the ICO is actually the, the first phase when, when the first time start selling uh, tokens uh, on an exchange. Yeah, but you mentioned that there with a, with the global emerging markets group, you know, there you guys brought 110 million. So I guess the question here is, what's the difference between the traditional route, you know, versus let's say like an ICO? Yeah, once you have let's say a, a successful uh, ICO, when when of course you can start approaching uh, let's say so traditional investment companies. To, who are uh, looking to invest into crypto assets. And when, when you can start uh, selling uh, cryptos directly to, to, to crypto investment companies who are then 
holding it usually for a few years and wait until the, the value of the token increases and when we sell it over the exchanges. So what's, what is that process looking like? I mean, first you go to the exchange and then, you know, the, the action happens or can you walk the listeners through how that process actually works? No, for the beginning, you have to start just to see how, how much your business is uh, accepted by, let's say, so by the community. You have to do to, to at least some, some private sales where you test the market, where you test your, uh, your project, the, the, the structure of your business. And if you have at least one, two successful uh, private sales, when you can approach uh, exchanges in, with, with, a, with a listing and ask them if uh, we are ready to, to list your token on an exchange. And typically for the, for the traditional types of races, you know, you would need, you know, with investors, you know, the pitch deck and the financial model and perhaps other collateral. But, but in, this, in this case, I mean, what is the type of information that typically people, you know, uh, request or that, or that you need to have in place so that you can be successful at it? No, of course, you, you still need, uh, let's say, so all the traditional paperwork. You need to have a, a good presentation pitch deck. Uh, in, in addition, of, uh, all the crypto projects uh, should have a, a good white paper, which explains in detail the, the tokenomics and the structure of, the, of your crypto projects. And with these documents, you, you start when uh, the, the private sale. And typically on the, let's say, you know, if, if you go on one of those exchanges, how does the marketing or the awareness work? I mean, is that something that the exchange would take on or is that like a team collaboration where you guys are also involved? No, let's say so. Uh, still, you, you still would have to make around 90% of your own marketing. The exchanges are offering some support mainly to the already registered users of the exchanges. Uh, but uh, this, this is still just a small part of marketing. You shouldn't rely only on the marketing of the exchanges. You, so, so you still have to do your homework. You still have to do your own marketing. Uh, best, of course, uh, getting uh, not only in social media, but in, in getting mentioned in, in newspapers or, or journals, de depending what your business is, so that people can see that it's, it's a real business. Out of your experience with, uh, you know, obviously this is, this is completely different to the, you know, the, the, what the stuff that you were doing before, obviously it's also completely different to the stuff that uh, typically our listeners, you know, listen to, which is like the traditional VC type of route of seed round, series A, series B. So let's say, you know, in, 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 in doing an ICO, I mean, what are like the three main things that you've learned that you really need to be truly successful at it? Yeah, the most important is actually the details. You have to be able to explain everything uh, until the last small, small detail. The other thing is then uh, marketing. So you have to, to, how to say, on the one hand, social marketing, which is now nowadays most important, uh, all the, uh, to some extent also, also advertising. So just word of mouth, uh, that's, that's, that's important also. No, lessons learned is, is actually uh, what I say anyway all the time is try always to do more. Don't, don't think that, uh, that, uh, that what has been done is enough. You should always try to, to do more because 
it's always better to be prepared and to to do 110% than just 90% or 100%. Now, in terms of the you know what's what's coming in and and how things are unfolding, how do you see those technologies you know unfolding and and evolving over time? Yeah, definitely blockchain tokenization, crypto. Uh, that's that's the future. Of course, we are at the moment just at the beginning. So, like any new technology, uh, has uh, its problems at the beginning, which um, structural problems, legal problems. But by step by step, uh, crypto, blockchain uh, tokenization uh, will be the the new way of doing business. And. How, like for the people that are listening to get an understanding of the scope and size of EcoWatt today, I mean, anything that you can share in terms of maybe like number of employees or anything else that you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, we have uh, our headquarters in, in, in Dublin, but we have today already offices uh, starting from from Hungary, Romania, Turkey, in, in, the, in, in Dubai, in the US. Uh, we have roughly around 40, 40 colleagues working now at uh, ECOWAT, but now hiring almost on a, on a weekly basis. So we are developing and uh, growing quite fast. Let's say you were to go to sleep tonight and you wake up in a world where the vision of ECOWAT is fully realized. What does that world look like? Oh, it would be a, a very clean world with clean air, fresh air. Yes. So. I guess, how do you think that the, that, you know, the times that we're living in, you know, where there's like more consciousness around what's going on with global warming and, you know, with fossil fuels and, and, and things like that, you know, it's say, as they say, you know, to build something truly meaningful, you need to be at the right time in history and that blow is, and that wind is blowing, you know, on your back. How do you think that timing wise, you know, things have helped you to really execute on this? Today is really the, the best time of getting started in, in, in renewable energy. But of course, it, it helps me and it helps ECOWAT a lot that we not only today started, but we are doing this uh, already almost for the, for the last 20 years. And because of it, not only myself, but all our colleagues have a tremendous background and experience. And this helps us to, to grow faster and faster and develop faster. You were talking about all these different um, offices and colleagues that you have. And, and obviously, you know, like this is so advanced what you guys are doing that you need to have like unbelievable talent. So as you're thinking about building the team and really building the culture around that, you know, like how, how do you think about that? You know, because I'm sure that that, that keeps you up at night on how you build a team and, and what kind of culture you want to have. Yeah, the, 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 uh, let's say so the ECOWAT ideology is uh, that we want to, to have a clean world. Uh, we, we want to have more and more renewable energy. We need to do something against uh, climate change. And that, to some extent, automatically uh, pulls uh, people who have the same plans, the same ideas, and uh, the same, same wishes for the future. Now, if I was to put you into a time machine, and I bring you back in time, you know, maybe to that time where, you know, we can, we can just say that you were still in university in Vienna, right? You were doing economics and business and you were able to sit down, you know, that younger self, that younger Thomas, and you were able to give that younger Thomas 
one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now? I would say if you have a dream, if you have a plan for the future, then never give, never give up, uh, keep walking. I love it. So, Tomas, for the people that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Yeah, uh, we are. We have several channels on in, in social media. They can get in touch over with uh, our social medias or through our website. Amazing. And we'll definitely have those in the show notes. Well, Thomas, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.